have described yourself as caramel complected. You have friends who are the color of chocolate, like milk chocolate. You know those are not the same colors. So oh, I know. Trust me, I know because I also like men who are two shades darker than motor oil. And to me, it's like, yeah, okay, that's dark skin. I know I'm not dark skin, but I don't consider myself to be light skin. See what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that caramel is Liz light skin. I think it's caramel. I was even reading a book once, no, watching something, and they said the girl was caramel colored. And I'm like, no, she's not. She's my mom's color. I'm caramel. Like, I have very specific, like, you know, like... You made a comment. I'm like, we're the same color. Like, no, we are not. We are not the same. And I look at you and I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's the color, right? No, you're not. You're not my complexion. What? There's pictures. There's black and white pictures of all three of us together. So just remove the brown altogether. In black and white, you are not the same complexion as I am. (laughs) What's wrong with you? He's like, well, that's just the way your skin reflects light. No, you're that's not the same thing. color. I never thought that deeply about it. It's like, if I'm not my mom's color, I'm not light. I have a very narrow, and that could be because of things, and not for my mom, but like other people in the family would make such a big deal about the difference. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't identify as being light skin. And I know that it's because of people's reaction. And there's always black people like acting like, it's like, okay, black people of all people should know that we're like, that we're different shades. Like, I expect that from white people because to us, I mean, because to them, we're all black. But there were like black people who would act like I was Asian and my mom was black. conversation about the FX show Atlanta. We have noticed that there are similar characteristics or features in each show, and during our discussion, we offer our impressions on what those features are. For instance, there's a That's So Atlanta moment in each episode that most clearly and accurately depicts the spirit or quirk that is Atlanta and or is life in the American South. Darius's highlight the special flavor that the character Darius portrayed by Lakeith Stanfield brings to the show, and he is easily and consistently the most intriguing and endearing soul on the show. There always seems to be a mystical element or some strange thing that happens beyond all logical reason and sometimes scientific explanation. We've all experienced moments like those. And finally, the SGR moment is very plainly the moment in each show when shit got real and we are reminded that life is not a game and desperation has the power to motivate any and every possible action. Title of this episode is Moneybag Shawty. Ern gets a check in the mail and decides to take Van out for a night on the town. Unfortunately, the night turns into a series of disappointments for the couple. Alfred and Darius witness a darker side of Clark County. First of all, Moneybag Shawty is a reference to a Gucci Mane song of the same title. Okay. Um, I read through the lyrics. Yeah, it is trap. It's trap. Yeah, yeah. So when the show opens, uh, we have a tearful post from a concerned mom reading the lyrics of, I guess, Paperboy's latest single, his latest song. Uh, she's very, very upset. We know that she's a concerned mom because at one point she 
she uh, veers off from what she's saying to check on her daughter and make sure, you know, she's okay and has a juice box and everything is fine. And then she goes back into being horrified uh, at some of the lyrics. What did what what did you think about this scene? Okay, it it reminded me just how segregated Atlanta is. And the communities are so insular. For instance, there's people who live in Buckhead who never leave Buckhead. There's people who live in East Atlanta, never leave East Atlanta in Midtown or whatever. They just stay in their own little silos. And even though there's all of this diversity in Atlanta, we've got Asians from all over the place. We've got Africans from all over Africa. We've got all kinds of Islanders, South Americans. Everyone's here. And it's very rare to see all of those groups intermingling. I know when I first moved here, I was like, where are all the white people? Mm-hmm. And then they come out to their special events and they're the only ones there. And it's just kind of crazy. So so this woman, yeah, this is definitely a Southern woman, an Atlanta woman. I mean, she's living her little life. She probably belongs to one of the white sororities. And, you know, she she's one of those private school moms that, you know, line up in the carpool line early every day. And they go to Hippo Hop in the middle of the day. They, they belong to the Children's Museum of Atlanta. They have nothing to do with the hip hop culture community, but their kids listen to the music and love it. The thing about hip hop now is that it's surpassed rock and roll as like the music of pop culture. I remember a time, you know, growing up in an evangelical white church where when they talked about the evils of music, rap wasn't even on their radar because rap was still just something that only, you know, black people and the Beastie Boys listened to. So when they were downing secular music, they always said rock and roll. Even if it was rap, they said rock and roll. Hip hop or rap has sur- has surpassed that. So I'm sure she's heard the song and maybe even knows the hook. That woman Googled those lyrics so that she could read it so that everybody could, you know, hear exactly what, what was being said, you know, and they would join her in, in the outrage. That's what they do. But just like you were saying, you know, everyone is in their little bubble. And even though everybody listens to a certain station, they don't really, really listen. And I get it. You know, you have a child and you don't want them to hear that, but you need to turn it off. I would argue, because it is the most popular thing that all of the kids, even white kids, are listening to, it's going to be what everybody goes against. That woman was reading those lyrics, but all she was doing was just bringing more focus on on Paperboy, and it only helped. I mean, like, there's no bad publicity. It's the same thing that happened within, with NWA. I mean, we didn't have a Google then, but if they did, they would have been going on and reposting the lyrics, thinking that they were upsetting people, but the people who drive... Um, the actual industry would only be excited by. She she listened to the song a whole bunch of times. She probably liked the beat. She probably sang along with the chorus. And then she actually listened. She listened really hard and noticed what, you know, some of the words he was saying and uh-huh. then took offense. And probably, like you said, she did Google. Like, I know she was reading it, but I feel like she probably liked the song. You know, she probably did. Yeah. I mean, and whether she liked the song or not, reading the lyrics like that, who wouldn't want to Google? it to actually hear the actual song I want to hear the actual song you know (laughs) and and just like any type of controversy that goes on whether it's a celebrity who leaks naked pictures or somebody has a sex tape or whatever the first thing people do is like oh I want to see what they're talking about they go and find it and listen or look or whatever so yeah oh yeah this paper uh, Alfred said the song went golden after that yeah he's a rapper he's not like trying to become a preacher so that only helped him you know um but that that outrage i mean that's a very very familiar one you grew up in the south and not just the south i mean i realize that there's racism everywhere the racism in the south is the best racism ever 
if you grew up in the South, you learn how to deal with just the creme de la creme of racism. And seeing that woman, it was just like, yeah, I know this woman. She's very, very outraged. But if she, you know, if she gets a night out away away from her juice box loving daughter and they go out to the club, she's going to be dancing to, to that song. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you just said, that woman has listened to that song. She probably has a very, very, um, has had a very surface understanding of what the song was. I felt like the dude was just explaining who he was. That's fine. He used some colorful language to do that, but he was just just laid it out. We deserve reparations. Yeah. What he's doing, dealing drugs, he doesn't like it. It kills people, Mm -mm. including Prince. He's single. He's not trying to get married. But if he gets a woman pregnant, he's going to take care of his baby. Yeah. College was not for him. It was not his strong suit. He couldn't afford it. Both what he does and college involves drugs and guns, too. And, yeah, peaceful protests, he likes it, but it's not for him. I don't see what's wrong with what he said. But I guess if... I don't either. I guess if I were a white woman, you know, um, who... If you were that type of white woman. If I were that white woman, and I was not exposed to the black culture, and I, you know, my Facebook feed just fed me all kinds of negative stuff about black people all day long, you know, anyone who wasn't living my same Anglo-Saxon existence, I would probably think, oh my God, this song is so horrible. I would go all Tipper Gore too. So <laughs> let's not slander Tipper Gore like that. Tipper ain't hurt nobody. She's minding her business. What? I'm Please. sure she's living her best life right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Do, wait a minute. You don't remember Tipper Gore and how, how she went all crazy about two live crew? Of course I did. But guess who was right there with her? My mom and daddy. <laughs> and they like to be black. Come on. If you can take race out of it, which is very difficult to do because most things in America, it's built on race. It's motivated by race. But my daddy ain't like two live crew either. Hell, when I was that age, I didn't. I was like, this is truly nasty. Like, I get the like when you have a kid, you know, you wanting to um, shield them from things. Yeah, I totally get it. But um, it's just when something is black, it, it, it's it's always extra. Like, it's always like, oh, we really have to watch out. This country has a problem with when black people, when they express themselves and it's with no fear. What she's really upset about is just how brash he was. You know, now they love to cite Patrick Henry and the Boston Tea Party and like all those different things because it's people just being like really unapologetic about about their purpose here, you know, and why this country was started and blah, 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 blah. But not when you're black. It's like, look, we we allowed y'all to be here. Shut up and just be grateful and be a good black person. You need to look like you've been beaten down. It was never more evident than when I came back. I came back from visiting Nigeria. And the minute I stepped down off of the plane, the first black person I saw looked like his life had been defeated. I hadn't even noticed it before that that's the overall like pallor of black America until I come from Nigeria and see, man, I saw people, they were just proud to do whatever they were doing. They were doing it with like pride. You couldn't believe it was crazy. Like I just started taking, I mean, some people didn't like you taking pictures of them, you know, but I just wanted to capture that. Like there's this woman crossing the freeway. She had no business crossing the freeway. She, she could have gotten hit. Her head was held so damn high. She looked like I'm going to stop this traffic. nobody's Mm -hmm. gonna hit me that's the attitude that everyone over there had 
usually what the story is, is you have not been able to break the cycle and get out of the situation that you're in because of because uh, of systemic racism. And it's just it's built so much into the fabric of this country that. The people who have the power and the people who are the worst of offenders of this, they don't even see it that way because it is just a part of their life. And that's just the truth. And the white person who doesn't want to hear that, they're the problem. And they post videos about lyrics that they were probably dancing to the night before. All I can say is that if Pop That Coochie comes on, I'm twerking to it for all okay. of dear life because the beat is jamming. I think that's where the fear lies. Black music has always been the most popular music and continues to be the most popular music. Music that is derived specifically from our experience and our perspective. And I think that's why women like her get all up in arms because it's popular. She she already has an awareness of it, whether she wants to or not. It has it's intrusive. It has worked its way into her life and into her existence. Yeah, and she's I think, not safe. <laughs> no, and I think that's that's where the anger lies. Whenever you know, whenever we do something that's expressive, it's it's going to catch on. That's evident with the hashtags, with just black people and social media culture. We're driving the culture online. Yeah, that's something to get upset about if you're that type of white woman. I think the prevailing question all throughout the episode is what's racist and what's not racist, specifically as it pertained to Earn. And so we just see right off the bat, Earn is not that guy. He's just not that guy. Like at first I thought, oh, well, he's depressed. He is going to return to his his normal assertive self who's able to get into Princeton and walk safely through different types of social experiences in America no matter his skin color but he's not that guy he's just he's not that he's a beta male he's not alpha no he's not and maybe that's why he's able to walk through the spaces that he does he does not draw attention to himself doesn't do well with confrontation whatever happens to him he just he just takes it and it's really getting my nerves yeah he's just so passive i'm like this dude is gonna come up first of all what had me cracking up was how he said put me on yeah <laughs> like him saying that hard was gonna somehow make it happen right and, right and i've heard other people say that that's been in movies before right that's been in- yeah <laughs> yeah like he was in his own uh biopic where it's like where right after that they cut to like him hearing his song on the radio for the first time and then they show like his song like climbing in the charts like this dude had it all scripted in his head like you know yeah you want to hear our story I just walked up the paper boy and I said that he saw something in me it's like he was like I'm gonna be real intense and he's gonna see that I'm serious and it's like this has been happening to Alfred like he's not impressed and Ern the way he responded like Ern keeps failing all of the tests he keeps failing every time he has his chance to show that he's worthy of not just being a manager but a manager of a hip-hop artist in the rap scene you have to have a certain kind of swag about you and a certain attitude about you where people would not even they wouldn't even it wouldn't even enter their mind to talk to you that way there's nothing intimidating about him and the fact that this guy did that and wasn't even worried and then you know, Earn didn't even like make him wish that he hadn't done it. He didn't check this dude back. You know, he didn't say, let's go, like, get the hell away from the table or whatever. Right. Just stand like, up and flex. That or... guy, like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, I blew it. Yeah, not that I'm advocating you should have picked a fight with a guy. No, but like, come on, assert yourself. 
and Alfred and Darius they they kind of just looked at him like well he looked at them like can you believe this and they're like no we can't believe this Ern (laughs) come on yeah and then after the guy leaves you know they comment like this is really annoying this is not cool and he's like oh no I think it is kind of cool like what but I feel like even if you're a person who's not an alpha if you're trying to survive like if you're trying to make yourself useful and you and you see this person your cousin as a way for you to also come up there is just sometimes where you have to fake it it's it's like Darius is also discovering that he is not that guy and the way that he looked at him when he was like oh I think it's kind of cool Darius looked at him like are you crazy yeah. <laughs> like what are you really think- this is what you're really thinking okay that makes sense you know and then he talks about buying a meal for a bum and the bum throwing it away in front of him and yeah. Darius shakes his head like I would have done that to you too okay so let me just say these two things about the bar scene my, okay. my two Dariusisms, because I felt there were a couple, were in the scene. First of all, when he says, tears are powerful. That, that was mine. <laughs> and then also, I feel everything, which is not just a Dariusism, but also, I believe, the mystical element. Because what does he really mean? Does he truly feel everything? Does he have, like, special, not kinetic or um, powers? telepathic <laughs> powers? I don't know. If he feels everything, like, what exactly is he talking about? Or or is he like an empath? You know, does he feel everything in that way? I was just left mystified by that statement. Now, I had a white, white woman's tears are powerful. I thought he said white woman's tears are powerful. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah. That I was like, yeah. OK. And it's a Dariusism, but it's not the kind of Dariusism where it's like, wow, I've never heard that before. That's just the truth. You know, um, and that and that woman and I don't know her name, but you remember like a week, maybe it was maybe it's been two weeks there was this woman who was like the spokesperson for the nra and everybody hated her like she was speaking at a conference and she was yeah basically trying to say yeah she basically said that like white white mothers crying on tv like that's ratings gold it was something just really heartless it's like this this horrific shooting has happened you know people are uh like they're up up in arms you know no pun intended uh and these kids are like walking out and she was kind of um of the camp that all of this was not real or it was staged or like they're doing she she said she didn't say liberal media she used something she used a term that i had never heard of before but i could tell that she was referring to liberal media and she's like this is ratings gold for them white mother's tears you know and when he said that that's what that's what that made me think about so in the studio with clark county as i said before we got started he is easily becoming my most favorite character yeah <laughs> but I gotta say, his his homie that he rolled with, Boogs and Boogs and the other guy. So I was like, okay, is Boogs a rap guy? So I looked up who played Boogs, and this this guy's name is Donald Paul. And you may have you may remember him from Power because he played the nose ring Jamaican in in Power for four episodes, and he's been in a lot of different things. I loved him. I loved the fact that he was wearing a Common sweatshirt from Common's album. Uh, mm-hmm. Black in America again. I love that they were shooting dice <laughs> in the corner yeah. of the studio. Are you wait? Um, are you talking about the sweatshirt on the back that said like Skittles and all the ways that black black men have been killed by yeah. the police? Yeah. Okay. So okay. Yeah. So that yeah, that's from yeah. Commons. Um, that's a sweatshirt. And if you look on the on the sleeve, it said Common, and then it says the name of the album on the front. We we learn so much about Clark County in this episode. His mom 
was a Fed with access to the federal treasury. Mm-hmm. You know, he neither smokes nor drinks. Nope. Um, but when he gets into the studio, he's stealing that idea to mm-hmm. give himself street ca- credibility, which which is why Alfred gave him that look. By the same token, when the audio engineer messes up, the threat is real. Because I was just like, mm-hmm. Clark County looks crazy right now. <laughs> yeah, yes, he does. Like, he's he not is. playing. No. No, he's not playing. And and I thought about that. I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty that's pretty intense threatening this audio engineer. But then I thought about like studio time is not cheap. Fifty dollars no. fifty to five hundred dollars per hour. Like it's not a game. Yeah, he was he was well he was well within his rights. Um he's not just playing around to post something on YouTube. Like this is his livelihood. He's very serious about it. He's a hustler. You know, he's the right kind of manager that's getting him these endorsements. He's not playing around with it. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. I mean, he even said that he's trying to keep his voice right. Like these are all like, like he's taking it seriously. He's treating it like his craft. He's not treating it like his side job, Like, which is a really good lesson. That part spoke to me, like outside of the obvious, just like, yeah, if, if you want to support yourself in a certain way, you really do have to take it seriously. Well, something that you're trying to do for yourself, you know, when he freestyled, he started off immediately talking about the blunt and the henny that he had just turned down. But you can't argue with his obvious work ethic. Which is why Alfred pointed out, you know, he points it out a couple of times in this episode. First of all, you're in Atlanta where image is a big deal. This is a very image conscious place. If you get some money, like act like it because that will get you more money. Earn obviously does not believe in that or he is not aware of how to do that, which we will get to in the next scene. But I like Clark County because he has managed to combine the perfect amount of street with the perfect amount of white collar. And he's got the manager on his team who can make those connections where he is doing the soundtrack to a Fast and Furious, but he's got Hood in the studio where when he needs him to lay the law down when he's trying to get some work done. You know, so I'm like, hey, he's he's using all of his resources intelligently. I love it. I love it all day long. He's smart. Meanwhile, earn. Okay. Right when he gets that money. And the thing is, he what did, what did he say back in like the first season when they were talking about, oh, we need to go stunt at the strip club or whatever. He was like, yeah. why don't you just save your money and put it away and then do that when we're a little bit more financially comfortable. So that was his own advice. Now the first thing he does when I'm guessing it was a sizable check, it looked like it was about $12,000, but he goes and mm-hmm. just wants to throw it up in the air and spend nothing but hundreds in a Coca-Cola t-shirt. Looking, yeah. looking, he looked Californian. You can't do yeah. California in Atlanta. You just can't. No. You got to no. go full Atlanta if you're going to stunt in you Atlanta. You got to be black when you're in Atlanta. When he gave them that advice in the first season, he came off to me as like, I'm, I'm the cousin that got into Princeton and I'm trying to school y'all. If he had, you know, put some of the money away and applied it the way he was supposed to, like to his responsibilities, there's nothing wrong with treating yourself like every now and then. But it's like Earn is just so irresponsible. And he's like, I really feel like even though he's kind of been a sad sack since we first met him, I feel like his that 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 advice that he's given them was like a lifetime ago. 
you know, he knows the right thing to do, but like now he's got something to to prove. But he continuously makes the wrong choice. He's you know, made it's like bad financial decisions since like took he gonna take the rent money and go pay a DJ. Like, you know, yeah, he it ended up getting him on with Alfred, but that was the wrong thing to do, you know, and then that four thousand dollars he pretty much just gave to Tracy. And then and then this this night out of town where he's trying to celebrate this big check. Obviously, he he was involved in pulling whatever strings needed to be pulled in order to get that money in the first place. But again, he he even lacked confidence in doing that. It's not as much as you would like, but it's a lot for me. Who tells that client that? Yeah. Although that was a funny line because him saying that for me it encapsulated the interactions that he's had with with Alfred when it comes to things that you just have to do when you're trying to get put on. For instance, like Ern is not a good manager, but he does know what needs to be done. And that is that is an area where I personally feel like Alfred or let's say Paperboy, where he kind of um, he doesn't understand that sometimes there's just some things that you have to do if you're trying to get out there. Like if you are, you know, if you're trying to get comfortable to the point of where you don't have to slang anymore, like there have been instances where he's trying to tell Paperboy that something is good and and Paperboy just doesn't want to hear it. So that that exchange or that line, it was like, yeah, that is pretty much how it goes with him. Like, I get what you're saying. You know, he like everything he does, it lacks confidence. But he was right that that's usually how it goes. It's like sometimes Alfred doesn't seem to understand that you kind of have to like start small. Like Earn sucks as a manager. And that is true. And Paperboy was right that you have to stunt. But maybe in and and earns lack of knowledge on how to sell things to even Alfred. Like he needs to learn how to stunt even on Alfred to like, look, we're gonna go to this place and it's gonna be great and you have to do this and do he doesn't do that. And so like Paperboy's always like, uh, what? Like it's been like that from the beginning. You know, Paperboy's always like kind of not really trusting like what he's saying and earn kind of turns out to be right he just doesn't sell it well which loops back into what alfred told him at the strip club what he told him at the bar too look the part so he did not at that fork and screen he did not look like he needed to be spending a hundred dollars or i have a hundred dollar bill to pay with this woman making up this policy though not cool i mean obviously obviously prejudice the next guy coming up and spending the hundred dollars why didn't he say anything to the woman instead of talking to the man that's what i don't get like you're, Thank you. you're gonna assert yourself <sighs> with the dude you know he's armed this is georgia this, yes he's armed and you look and crazy. even if you didn't know he was armed he's another customer she's the one who you could probably get some traction with if you make enough noise and a manager is called. Yeah. I don't get him. He's so stupid. But then on that, you know, kind of on that same thing, I don't get why Van didn't see that it was racist. She said it was weird. No, that was obviously racist. What was weird is, you know, how Ern just decided to handle it. But I... I didn't understand why she didn't see that. And then she didn't call racism until they got to the hookah club that was weird to me like that didn't make sense that she wouldn't see that you know and she was like nah it was just weird and like maybe yeah okay you're spending big bills but that was obviously a racist on the on the spot policy okay first of all this is where i think van was coming from i think she's just like you really don't have to stunt you know just you know how this goes you grew up in atlanta just take 
you don't look like a guy that needs to throw around $100 bills. She was kind of ribbing him about that anyway. And he didn't need to throw around $100 bills like that. He really he really wants to be that guy. He's not that guy. And and so I can see how she's just like, you made some stupid decisions. You don't look the part. We're in Atlanta. Yes, this is a little bit of racism, but you really don't look like that black. There is a lot of black money in Atlanta. He doesn't look like black money. And everything that you're saying about her ripping him, I agree with. But you just now said, you know, yes, this is a little bit of racism. In the show, Van did not even acknowledge a little bit of racism. I get ribbing him, but she took the stance that it was not racism. It was just weird. And I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. Like just from a perspective of like just writing that, like what? Why wouldn't she see that? And then and then when she does see it, it's it's like, wait, you see it here, but not there. I like that didn't make any sense to me. See, At, I thought the she was ripping being makes sarcastic. sense to me. No, she wasn't. Do you don't think no. so? I I really no. thought she was being sarcastic, but like we haven't even gotten to no. that scene yet. But but yeah, I just I think. <laughs> oh wait a minute! You thought she was being sarcastic in the in the in the, in the other scene? Yeah. Oh no! Oh okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was being. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I'm talking about the first one i don't i don't get it i don't get why she didn't see you know after and a, a white man came up and shows the uh the hundred dollar bill yeah you can rib him and yeah you know that was dumb like what he did but it was so racist like i just think it's weird that she didn't think that that was racist that that didn't make any sense to me yeah i just i think she didn't want uh earned a trip over it like i think she's fully aware that it was but I don't think she wanted him to trip over it because he got on his little his little soapbox just then and then they they made that funny observation about being caught red-handed it's it's not racist to be clear what that woman did at the forking screen that was racist she's talking about she gonna make copies of his ID and his his card every time she swipes (laughs) it like what and then go ask him you you got enough money to cover this woman why are you in my pocket don't worry about whether I have enough money to cover swipe it and make your pay you working you work at a movie theater yeah do your job (laughs) don't worry about what's in my pocket but anyhow we thankfully go back to the studio um, and we get some insider information about how rappers can supplement their income with with endorsements. And again, Clark County demonstrates his prowess in the business, his seriousness about being successful, you know, him positioning himself, like being aware of those dynamics that are out there where, you know, major opportunities are not prevalent for people of color. So he's understanding that this is a race and he's got to win. No disrespect to those other rappers who are trying to hustle, but he's going to make sure that he's in the position to win. And I think that puts something on Alfred's mind. Or it should have put a lot on his mind. It should have, and we'll see if it does. I mean, we'll see. I guess that means we can save that for predictions. But again, you know, and and again, Clark County is redefining what is truly gangster. What's truly gangster is that that audio engineer probably, he probably lost a couple of pints. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to let that happen. No, I just not love the way he said again. I love when he says, like, okay, well, I'm going to take a break. Bugs is like, y'all might want to go home. 
He said, y'all need to go home. He said, I'm going to take a walk. And I was like, oh, you know, he's trying to calm himself down. So he walks out. And then I said, oh, no, he's trying to clear the room. Hey, plausible deniability. If he didn't see his his dude beat that dude, he don't know what happened. Yeah, he's not a dummy. Yeah. Again, loving that guy. Um, so which brings us to the hookah bar and him paying $100 at the door. First of all, nobody pays $100 at the door unless you roll in with a deep crew. He's so stupid. Like that. That's all I have to say. When are you going to get angry and and just stop? And that's also not attractive. The cops wouldn't even defend him and they knew what was up. Yeah. They're like, you're not worth us going out on a limb. You are not that guy. Everybody sees it. This guy, this club owner sunned you. He sunned you so hard. He made you pay for coming into that hookah bar. You hardly sat down. You did not smoke hookah. You didn't take any other opportunities to sell or buy, uh, sell anything away from this guy. And he charged you anyway. And you paid it. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to realize how stupid it makes him look. Which brings us to to Onyx. It's so Atlanta. Onyx is so Atlanta. Yeah, because that's a, that's so Atlanta moment there. <laughs> there's okay, so there's Magic City, which is also I would say when it comes to strip clubs, that is the the creme de la creme of strip clubs. Everyone knows Magic City. That's where everybody goes. But also, you can get shot or beat up real easy outside of Magic City. So because it's right downtown and. You know, things pop off there. A lot of people go there. Onyx is considered like the the bougie strip club. People come there, they floss. You have to have money to go in there. I think this scene also demonstrated the Robin season theme because Earn pretty much went in there and got robbed. Robbed from get go, like robbed from jump. He needed to change out a hundred. Oh, it's twenty percent, and uh, it needs to be two hundred. So it's like, okay, dude. So. <laughs> you immediately like you're spending forty dollars. Like so, you walk away from the bar with one hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, and he's just like he's just take it. Like he's just like all right, you know. And they have to hustle too. They have to make their money, you know. And then the girl comes up to offer him a lap dance. He's like, no, do one for my girl. She does a little shimmy, and then it's like, okay, you want some more? which I was like, okay, no, all right, no, you you did nothing. She did nothing. But she was smart to come up at the end of a song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that was her hustle. Her song, let's wait until the next song starts. That place was ridiculous. It was ridiculous and, and extremely funny. And then the table service. <laughs> the, what kept me cracking up was the MC. Because first of all, yes. he calls Van a white girl. And and Van was, was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm talking to you, Annie Hall. And then... <laughs> And then he's not talking about the girl on stage. She's like, oh, her ass is so fat. Looks like a birth defect. And then later on, um, when he's announcing Bankhead Barbie, he's like, she's off house arrest for giving illegal butt injections. <laughs> this man is. Then he shames Ern. You know, he's further robbed because Ern gets shamed into tipping. Why then does he clowns Ern, his outfit. Why does he take like, that? don't have to do that. But he watched him. He watched him go to the ATM and... Yeah, and then he said, from your PNC account, it's like, dude, defend yourself. Lord. That MC was amazing. That was awesome. And then, okay, so I had, I surprised myself with this reaction. I didn't know this was in me, but obviously this is my truth. Okay. When Van asked for money to tip 
the mini, the quote-unquote yes. timid dancer. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> okay, I got so mad because I'm like, I know how hard I work to get the money I, I got. So you at your job, you decided to be a stripper. If you don't make that ass clap for me, if I'm paying you, oh, hell no, there's going to be problems. That was the first thought on my mind. All right. My first thought was go mini. <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. And just like you said, if I'm making my ass clap and doing, okay, well, that's your thing. I figured out how not to. So that's my hustle. That's my stunt on people. And many, according to Alfred, has been at it for 10 years. Go off many. <laughs> I want to be many. And then Tracy, I, I'm starting to love Tracy, too, because he goes ahead and he steals that managerial identity so he can hit on. I love before they left the house, he's lying on the mattress in the middle of the uh, the living room like I'm ready. But that is the persona that that you are expected to have in that arena as a manager. I mean, really, in if you're anybody's manager, there has to be a certain level of like, you know, you're not going to get rid of me. Like wherever you go, like I'm I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hustling hard. But in hip hop, it needs to be even more. And the way Tracy acted, of course, he convinced people that he was Paperboy's manager. He had that attitude about him. He's extremely confident. Anybody who wears the do-rag into an interview, you know, and and sees nothing wrong, like, you know, and anybody who wears those socks to an interview. Yeah. With high walk. With those with loafers. Smile. Yeah. Those loafers were so 1982. That was, um, that was my girl wants to party all the time. Loafers. <laughs> and he's just like, what? I'm Tracy. <laughs> Tracy with the tracks. He deserves to be his manager, you know? Shout out to Eddie Murphy. Charlie Murphy, before he died, he told Eddie, he was like, look, if you want to sing, you go ahead and sing. Don't worry about nobody what, what nobody else thinks. You go ahead and do that. And Minnie the stripper read that, and she took that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> I love Minnie. <laughs> I'm like, there you go. If I was a stripper, I would be her. Okay, so then that brings us to Michael Vick and what I feel was the SGR moment because Ern and Van, they're riding high, they get educated, they receive an education about the how to succeed in stunting in Atlanta. You need to, money is an idea, you need to look the part. You need to act like the part, you need to own, own, I have money or I'm about to get money. They go outside to see Michael Vick racing people. He's pretty much out there robbing people because he's a professional football player. He runs up and down a field for hours at a time regularly. He practices doing that. How anyone would think, drunk or otherwise, that they're going to beat Michael Vick is crazy. And again, I just want to slap Ern upside the head. He's so stupid because he has the nerve to say, let me see, I have the exact quote. He has the nerve to say, um, well, he just ran uh, six races. It's like he's not some dude named Michael who just ran six races. He is a dude whose profession it was to run up and down a hundred yard field while dodging refrigerators and throwing a ball. And he was good at it. What is wrong with you? Yeah. He is so stupid. Yeah. And Van, he is so stupid. And, Van, and I love the way Van delivered that line. It's Michael Vick. The music, the music, right as he was like taken off to run, 
I was just like, he lost. Yeah. Well, they used the music, um, the type of music that they use when you watch footage of, it's like the old Ball reels. football films. Yeah. It's like that kind of music because it brought me back to like, this sounds very like early 80s. Like, dun, 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 dun. And it's like, and he comes on. It's like, he lost. There's no way. They didn't even want to show it. <laughs> like, they just paused it. He's so stupid. You know, and then it, she's just looking at him. It's like, you should have known that. You should have known that. And he has the nerve to really look like righteously just, I can't believe it. Like when he said he's run six races, he didn't run six marathons, which I would argue he could still beat Earn if he had. They're parking lot races. He is in shape. I mean, you know, the way Michael Vick looks at him, like... Like, yeah, he looks at him like this, this isn't, isn't even, even fun. fun. Taking this money, yeah, yeah, this isn't even fun. So tell me, what are your predictions? Aaron is about to get replaced, and he's going to be relegated to just like some dude in the entourage, and that's not as that's that's not a stable place to be. And I'm just curious to see, like, is he going to do something to change that? When and if it does happen. You know, and is it going to be Van? Is Van going to kind of show a little spark or something happen? Because did did you notice how they greeted each other? You couldn't really see them. You could just hear their voices when they show the limo driving up to um, pick the guys up. Alfred says, you know, hey, Vanessa. She's like, hey, Alfred. You know, like they're. Their convert, their interaction was way more friendly than it was last season when she was calling him to find out like how, you to, know, beat a, how to get a drug get, test, uh, clean urine. Yeah, like it was way more like you know, and not flirty, but like I could see, like you mentioned, you know, Van might become the manager. They seem to be friendlier to like where she may say something or like say something that kind of shows a little spark that maybe she knows, you know. So I, I just I sense something brewing there. If Alfred doesn't light a f- fire under Ern's ass, or if Ern doesn't get it together in his head, Alfred needs to replace him. Because mm-hmm. again, he's not even he's not even hustling for a home. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm just like Ern, wake up, but wake up. I did have this one thought. I mean, you know, we've been beating up on Ern, and he deserves it. But in some of the situations, I. And I'm saying this, even though I kind of don't think that Ern is, is is thinking this. He is in a precarious position as far as like he doesn't need to get into any more trouble. Um, like I like it's like if I'm really trying to def- defend him, it's like well maybe he doesn't stand up for himself because you know because he's on probation. But that's not really true because if that was the case, he wouldn't have played fast and loose with that gift card. I don't know. I was, I was, I was trying to rally for him. He does not one make. Time, I'm so disappointed. He does him. not make good personal decisions. He doesn't. Again, what is wrong with him? What happened to him? What happened? What did you do? I don't know. Like, why are you this person? Were you ever not this person, or is this just who you are? And why? Well, if I had to guess, I would think that maybe he wasn't that person before. Something something big has really happened. Something really, really big. And I'm really hoping that they don't let this season go by without giving us a hint or a clue or something. Well, now I'm starting you know. to think it has something to do with money. What if he took his tuition check and threw it up in the air? Maybe he did. But what did he throw it up in the air on? Because it's like... I don't know, because he don't have nuts. <laughs> 
Like, he's not like one of those guys where it's like, how do you have a Benz but, like, not a place to stay? Like, that would be like, okay, this fool went and bought a car and has no place to live. I don't know what he did. You know, or maybe he had a scam. No, he doesn't seem like he would have a scam going. I don't know. He's hell-bent on stunting, but he can't even do that right. Yeah. Sad. You're not, You're not doing, doing it right. It right. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. and It hurts. It hurts. We love you, Earn, but you got one Mogan. No, actually, he's got what? This is the third episode. He's got seven Mogans. <laughs> I'm talking about with me. And with that, we will close the show. Yes. <laughs> so we will be back next week to talk about Atlanta FX and all of its Atlantan and American Southern glory. Thank you for listening. Rap in Atlanta is recorded and produced by Nikki Ebo and Nita Sharice. Our theme music is Joy Clark's Galaxy Groove, performed by Joy Clark. You can follow this talented artist on Instagram at Joy Clark Music. Our show's artwork is created by Losa Perez, creative director at Prime Vice Studios. You can follow Prime Vice on Instagram at Prime underscore Vice. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. You can follow Rap in Atlanta on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter at Rapid Atlanta. And we'll see you next time.